talk to you about something that, uh, that I've been studying for some time that's kind of intriguing. Uh, <clears throat> the favor of God. Have you all ever heard that? Uh, the favor of God. I mean, that, that's really a phenomenal thought, and the depth of it goes way beyond my ability. But the favor of God, I just want to give you an idea of what favor is. Favor puts you in the right place at the right time to meet the right people that can cause you to advance. Okay, favor, the favor of God can put you at the right place at the right time with the right people that can cause advance. Uh, an example of that is, what, 30 years ago, uh, I happened to be in Corpus, and I met a guy by the name of Kenny DeCone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it was just, it was just, I had no idea. I didn't plan it, didn't know who Kenny was before, but I went there, I met him. That was 30 years ago. And so it was the favor of God that placed me at the right time, at the right place, to meet the right person. And the, the benefits of me knowing Kenny has been tremendous. I mean, uh, Kenny has spoken into my life. I've learned so much from him. So, you know, it's really the favor of God that causes that kind of thing. I could have missed that. You know, God didn't so pre-design it that I didn't have a choice in the matter. I could have canceled the meeting because I wanted to go uh, to the beach or something instead of doing ministry and being faithful to my calling. But because I was faithful, God's favor was there, and I met Kenny. So, see, favor is really important for advancement in the kingdom of God. Listen to that statement. Favor is very important for advancement in the kingdom of God. How many of y'all have known someone that when you're around them, you just see the favor of God in their life? I mean, it's just, you know, you know some people don't have that much favor. Do you agree? I've met people that don't have a lot of favor. And I've met people that have a tremendous amount of favor. But I want to clear this up. I'm not talking about love. God loves us all the same. God loves us all the same. God doesn't love you a little bit less than he loves me. God doesn't love me more because I'm in the ministry than he loves you. He loves us all the same. We're all on the same level. Do you understand that? That's very important for you to know that because some people think, well, you know, I just wish God loved me more. God loves you infinitely. There's no way he can love you more. And his love doesn't change because you're good or bad or whatever. His love is the same, but favor changes. Okay? He loves us the same, but the favor of God is different. Right? There's a lot in the Word on that. Favor, uh, favor, listen to this. Favor will take you from the ordinary lifestyle to the extraordinary lifestyle. Are you, favor takes you from the nominal living to phenomenal living. Favor takes you from natural to supernatural. Are you with me? So see, I, most people want to live in the supernatural. Most people want to be extraordinary. Most people want to have a, not a nominal life, but a phenomenal life. Well, see, most of that is up to us. <laughs> yeah. Are you hearing me? Yes. Not all the time, but a lot of times, we are the result of our own choices. I chose to be saved. I could have rejected him. 
See, my eternity was based upon my right choice. But it doesn't stop at just salvation. Right choices continue. And that's how you grow in favor. That's why when you look at this person, it's like, my, he's just dripping in the favor of God. This person over here, he doesn't seem to have much favor. God loves them both the same, but one's walking in more favor than the other person. Okay? So we need to understand that. And I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, how to get in that favor. You know, what is it, why does this person that has very little favor, what's he doing that this person over here is doing that causes more favor? Obviously, there's got to be something in the Word. The Bible says that Jesus grew in favor with God and with people. So he, he did what in favor? He grew. So if Jesus, the Son of God, can move forward in favor, doesn't that mean that you and I can? See, if you can grow in favor, does that also suggest, just stop and think, that you can decrease in favor? I mean, if you can grow in something, you can stop growing in it. Or you can start decreasing in it. But Jesus grew in that favor. Well, I mean, first of all, we have to know, what, what is my part? What, what, is, what are the choices I need to make so that I can walk in tremendous favor? Uh, and one of the keys to it, uh, and this is so simple, but it's faithfulness. You know, you see someone over here that's not faithful in some things, they're not going to walk in a lot of favor. But you see somebody that's faithful even when it's tough. That person has a lot of favor on their life. So it's making a choice that when it's difficult, when it's good, when it's bad, when it's indifferent, when you feel it and you don't feel it, you made a decision, I'm going to remain faithful. And faithful in a lot of things. You know, it's like, I've seen people that have had favor in their finances, <clears throat> but they didn't have favor in their family. <laughs> Does, are you hearing me? They, they've got tremendous favor in creating wealth, but they don't have a whole lot of favor in living with their wife and raising children. So what, what's happened here? Well, he was faithful in the area of finances, but not faithful in the area of his family. Are we together? So it's being faithful in different areas where you begin to have that favor. See, Joseph with Potiphar. Do you all know the story? See, Joseph, <laughs> he had a lot of favor with dad. I mean, daddy gave him a lot of favor. And, and that ticked off the brothers. That can even happen in church. I mean, somebody has a lot of favor, but other people get jealous. You know, I want that same favor he has. But he had this favor. They got so jealous that they, they persecuted him. They wanted to kill him because he had so much favor. But Joseph remained faithful in the pit. And then he goes to Egypt and he gets promoted Woo, hallelujah, this is wonderful. Then he gets framed by Potiphar's wife. And then he has to go to prison. Well, he doesn't get all down. 
I mean, he stays faithful. And even in prison, he has the favor of God. And then when he gets out of prison, there's more favor. You know, uh, I want you to think about this. Your condition of what you're going through never changes your position. Your condition never changes your position. Listen, you're a child of God no matter what. <laughs> Nothing's going to change that. You're his child. Whether good things are happening to you or bad things are happening to you. You're always going to be his child. So whether you're in the pit or whether you're in prison, that does not change your position with God. You're still a son. See, being promoted doesn't make you more of a son. Being demoted doesn't make you less of a son. A son is a son is a son. So it's not about sonship. It's not about that. It's about favor. It's about being faithful in times when you don't feel it. See, that's the toughest time. It's easy to be faithful when you have goosebumps and, and you feel God. And, and I don't know about you. I don't know. Maybe Kenny. I don't feel God all the time. <laughs> I mean, when I first got saved, you know, I mean, from drug addiction and crime and gave my life, I felt goosebumps and God was just it was like electric I can't even explain I mean you know I had every kind of high that narcotics can offer but when I met Jesus it was like whoa this is the ultimate high but you know the old saying what goes up <laughs> and so when I came down and I didn't have that feeling I went to my pastor I said I'm not saved anymore and he said why, why are you saying that you've been your life has been transformed I said the feeling's gone you know, the last few days I've been waking up, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel God. I don't have this electric feeling. I don't have this incredible. And he said, no, 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 you're saved. I said, no, you don't understand. See, you grew up in church. <laughs> See, I didn't grow up in church. I was a drug addict, and I know what I'm saying. I know feelings. I've lost my feelings. And he told me, but you didn't lose your faith, or you wouldn't be here talking to me. Amen. But it was, you know, it took me a long time. So it was being faithful in those times back in those days when I lost the feeling. Being faithful in difficulty. I think that's the toughest lesson for new Christians to learn. Is you're faithful even in hard times. You know, James wrote, he said, Greetings, my brethren, count it all joy, pure joy, when you fall into various trials and tribulations. To count it what? All are pure. Do you know what pure is? See, if, if Michelle has a gold ring on and I say that's pure gold, what does that mean? It's unmixed. <laughs> it's not 90% gold part something else. It's all gold. Pure joy is not part joy. It's not 90% joy. It's pure joy. And he said, count it pure joy. Unmixed joy. When you fall into various trials and tribulations, knowing this, the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work that you may be perfect and mature, lacking nothing. Lacking how much? Nothing. That's favor. When you can say, I lack nothing. 
How did you get to the point of that kind of favor? How did you get, according to that verse, how did you get to the point of lacking nothing? Faithfulness in difficulty. See, there's people that go through difficulty and they, they, they're walking away. They're moving away from my faithfulness. I, I can't handle that anymore. And that favor, they're always lacking something. But the one that remains faithful in difficulty, they've come to the point of lacking nothing. And trials are difficult. You know, the Bible in, in Malachi talks about the refiner's fire. I don't know if you've ever read it. Uh, that God is a refining fire. Wow. He's a loving father, but he's a what? A refining fire. God is a fire. But he's not just any kind of fire. He's a refining fire. See, you know, the purpose of refining fire is to purify something. Am I right? And you know what they do back in the Bible days? They would take a pot, let's say if it's gold, and they want to purify that gold. They put the gold in this pot, and under extreme heat because it has to melt that gold and that heat as it begins to work on that precious metal as it melts do you know what happens automatically the impurities in the gold rise to the surface that's right see the purpose of the fire is to bring the impurities out of our life See, I, if I'm impatient, and I am an impatient man, but I've learned that love is patient, how does God turn me into a patient man? Well, he puts me with a very slow wife. Amen. Isn't that how he does it? See, he doesn't put me with a patient wife, I mean, with a very fast wife. I mean, I'm so fast. <laughs> I mean, I'm just, I move fast. Listen, we'll get to the house. And I get out of the car, I go upstairs, I put my pajamas on, and I'm sitting in the recliner, and she's just now walking in the door. <laughs> I mean, when we eat, I'm done. I'm ready for dessert. She's just starting the main course. She just finished the salad. And so I'm sitting there like, let's move, let's go. See, God, through her, is bringing the impurities of my impatience to the surface. And most fires, by the way, I want to tell you this, most refining fires, what is the refining fire? It's not trees or rocks. You see, I have no unforgiveness against a tree or a rock. You know, I don't struggle against trees and rocks. I really don't. The refining fire is people. <laughs> yeah, and computers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But see, God puts people in your life to cause this. And so God wants this impurities to come. And you know what they do is that impurity comes? The refiner scoops the scum. He scoops the scum off the surface, throws it away, and then heats it up more so that more impurities come up and scoops off the scum. And he's going to scoop the scum off until the refiner can look into that that uh, container and see a reflection of himself. See, the fire is in your life so that Jesus can look at you and see himself. 
But without the fire, that's not going to happen. But see, when we go through the fire, we don't embrace the fire. But we need to. Huh? Do what? Do we live in a cage? <laughs> We've got to embrace the fire. Here's what we do. Here's what we do. We run from the fire. We rebuke the fire. <laughs> I mean, we call the devil out of the fire, right? We curse the fire. We even try to put the fire out. Yeah, we pray for the God to put the fire out. And God's the one that started the fire. <laughs> I mean, we do all of these things, but we, the right thing is to embrace it. Consider it all joy. Because I want to come to the place of lacking nothing. Favor comes in faithfulness in trials. Favor in finances. You know, I've never met anybody that didn't want to have more wealth. Most people want more. Yeah, even if it's to give it away. So how do you get favor in finances? You've got to be faithful with the little that he's given you. Jesus even told a parable. Remember what he said? If you're faithful with a little, I'll make you a ruler over. See, he didn't say, look, I'm just going to make you a ruler over a lot, okay? I mean, I'm a good God. And I'm just going to go ahead and just make you a ruler over a lot. Well, no, he knows better than that. He knows it wrecked most of us. And see, he's not interested in you having a lot of stuff. He's interested in you being a good manager. Did you know that? That's one of the purposes that man was even created. You, did you know that? That was one of the purposes God made man. God did not make man because he needed fellowship, because if God had a need, then he's not God. God can never have a need. God had fellowship within himself. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit fellowshiped. God did not create man because he had a need. I need fellowship. God created man because he wanted such a relationship that they could manage the garden. See, what, remember what he told him? Name the animals. There's some management I want you to do here. I want you to tend the garden. See, it wasn't like, hey, just get a hammock and kick back. No, I need a manager. Did you know, before it rained, God said why it didn't rain. I teach this to the Maasai all the time because there's, they live in a drought condition. I tell the Maasai, you're not managing what God's giving you. God does not need to water rock. But if you have plants, then God has a need to put water. But the Bible says there was no rain because God did not have one to take care of the garden. It was after He created, he created the earth then he made man to manage it. Right? And then all of a sudden you see gardens. I think it's interesting too that God put man in a garden. I tell them I saw that all the time. He didn't put man in, in the middle of a bunch of cows. Because <laughs> the mice, I love cows. I said, God put him to manage a garden. You know, God likes gardens. So if you want to get much, what do you need to do? Be faithful with the little that he's entrusted with you. And that's in anything. That's in anything. As a matter of fact, 
you know, one, one that he gave some money to and the master came back and he said, well, what did you do with it? Well, this one doubled it and this one doubled it. He said, what about you? He said, I hid it. I didn't do anything with what you gave me. And you know, it's interesting. You ought to read that parable. You know what Jesus told him? The least you could have done is put it in the bank. Then I'd have made interest. I mean, you dug, put it in a hole. I couldn't even get interest off my money. So I made you a manager and you were a bad. You know what he called that man? Wow, this is pretty strong. You're a wicked, lazy servant. Wow. <laughs> wicked and lazy. Wicked, you know, we think he was, you know, very sinful, but the word wicked just means twisted in your thinking. He said, your thinking isn't right. You should have been managing like these other two, but because you're not thinking clear, you buried it. So you have twisted thinking and you're lazy. Wow. He didn't get any favor. He had what he had taken away from him. He lost favor. <laughs> so if you want favor, you've got to be faithful. Are we together on that? Here's another secret to favor. I'm not going to have a lot of time. How much time do I have? Okay. So here's another thing on favor, and I hope you get this. I've been really meditating on this, what I'm fixing to give you for quite some time. The secret to favor is desiring witness. W-I-T-H-N-E-S-S. Withness. Do you know the greatest desire of God is not what you can do for him? I mean, really, he can call on an angel to take care of that. Really, whatever you think he needs done, he doesn't even need an angel. <laughs> so what's he after? Partnership. Relationship. Partnership. He wants to be with you in your life. And, you know, it just it blows my mind. People go through life without God. You know, life is better with God. <laughs> I mean, he is the creator of it. He knows more about life than you do. He knows you better than you do. He knows more what will make you happy than you think you know what will make you happy. <laughs> he really does. But you get all of that favor through witness. Uh, look in Luke 10.38. Luke 10.38. I want to show you a really neat passage. You know, Jesus uh, is traveling, and <clears throat> in verse 38, as they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. So it was, whose house was it? Martha's house. And she had a sister called Mary. Wasn't Mary's house. Whose house was it? Martha's house. And who was Martha's guest? Jesus. Jesus. That's a special guest. And so, wow, Jesus has come to the house. So what do you want to do? You want to be a great host, right? Now the sister sits down at Jesus' feet and listens. <laughs> so I'm just going to sit right here. Wow. She is really with him. Right? Now, where is Martha? In the kitchen. Now, now, now you got to think with me, see, because we're thinking a three-bedroom, two-car garage house. See, because we come from our culture, 
And we just automatically, see, but the houses in that day, it was one room. <laughs> see, the kitchen was just right here. Jesus was just right here. So let me ask you a question. Could Martha hear what Jesus was teaching? Most likely, she's just right here. But, but Mary's here. I'm just right here. And, and she got upset because there's so much work to be done. You know, we need to be busy. And Martha gets upset, and it says in verse 40, but Martha was distracted with much serving. By the way, serving isn't bad, but distracted with your service is. You can be focused in serving. You can have witness in serving. But when you're distracted in your serving to where your focus is not witness, then whatever you're doing for God has really pulled you away from the witness instead of drawing you into Him. You understand what I'm saying? There's a lot of people, listen, that their ministry becomes their Lord instead of the Lord be in their ministry. And there's a big difference. And so she was distracted. And she goes to Jesus <laughs> because she really believed she was right. Right? I mean, you don't, very seldom do you go to Jesus and ask Jesus to rebuke somebody because they're right. <laughs> so she says, look, Jesus, can you, she's, you know, she's not helping. And the Lord said, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. But this is what I like. But one thing is necessary. Whew. One thing. There's only one thing I'm after. And that's what Mary's got. She's with me. See, Martha, you're over here. You're not with me. You can hear me teaching, but you're not really with me. And see, what God is after is this witness. I mean, even by His name, Emmanuel. God. <laughs> I mean, he says, you know who I am? I'm a God that doesn't live way over there or way up here. I'm a God that wants to be with you. And you're in the Old Testament, He would show up and leave. Right? You know, His Holy Spirit would come, empower somebody to do something, and then depart and come and but see, that was the old covenant. He says, listen, there's something coming that's much better than this because here's what's better. I'm never going to leave you. See, in the Old Testament, I left. But this one, I'm going to always be with you. I'm never, never, never going to leave you or abandon you. Good or bad, indifferent, doesn't matter. I'm always going to be there. <clears throat> so Martha, she was doing the one thing. And you know, I really think today what we need, we need, to, we need to get our focus right. You know, what is my purpose? Is my purpose to accomplish a lot with God? Or is my purpose to come into such unity with Him, such witness with Him, that He accomplishes things through me? Amen. I tell people this, I'm going to throw this out there, it's just a thought. A lot of people tell me, you know, I'm living for God. 
And there's something about that statement that's disturbing to me. I'm living for God. So it's like, well, because you're living for God, He owes you. That, that really, it can become a manipulation. See, God, I've been faithful, therefore you should do this for me. I mean, I've been faithful. I've been living for you. I've been following the rules. <laughs> right? The Pharisees is a perfect example. We've been following the rules. See, it's not about living for God. It's about going through life living with God. See, whatever I'm going through, God is with me. When I'm going through a trial, God is with me. I can count it pure joy. And the favor comes as I begin to understand. I'm with God. Look in Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. One of my favorite passages. Jesus had chosen the twelve. He prayed all night. In verse 13, he says, he goes up on a mountain. And he called to him those whom he desired. See, do you see that? What did he do? What did Jesus do? Yeah, he called who he wanted to be with. And, and I like that next part. And they came to him. <laughs> See, they didn't have to. Jesus could have extended the invitation and said, look, I want to spend some time with you. Nah, look, I'm busy right now. Uh, I just bought some oxen. Uh, I've got a funeral I need to attend. I've got a lot of things to do right now. I mean, you know, we're together and I, I really love you, God, but... But he extended an invitation to this. And he said, look, I want you to come. And they came. And then it says in verse 14, And he appointed the twelve, whom he named, also named apostles. And what does it say after that? Wow. Why did he call the twelve? <laughs> and then because of that, what did he do? He sent them out. So do you get the order? He didn't send them out. What is the first thing he did? He said, I need to be with you. The result of withness is I'll make you a witness. <laughs> you, you can't be much of a witness without withness. Well, what do you think most of the, the parable of the branches and the vine? What is that an illustration of? That's a branch being so with the vine that he's producing whatever is in the vine. <laughs> There's such a witness that the outcome is whatever he's connected to. He's not producing something on his own. The, the production comes from who he's connected with. So if you don't have that witness, we end up with something else. You know, like the fruit of the Spirit, whose fruit is it? It's the Spirit's fruit. It's not your fruit. <laughs> Galatians will tell you what your fruit is. But I mean, he says, look, by being connected to this vine, you're going to produce my fruit. It's natural. It's supernatural, but it's just natural for the branches to produce like kind of the vine. So the branch doesn't struggle. See, the branch isn't like, oh, come on, I need, I want another grape. No, it's just, I'm just relaxing, connected, witness, grapes are happening. 
Yeah, I'm just enjoying my connectedness. And, you know, the fruit of the Spirit is not many fruits, it's one fruit. It really is a singular word. Fruit of the Spirit is all in one. Love, joy, peace, faith, gentleness, kindness, all the nine fruits. It's, it's like a fruit salad. You know, it's not one, it's, it's all of it together. And so Jesus saw the importance of this in Mark 3. He said, look, I'm calling you to come hang out with me. It's very critical that you be with me. Because out of the witness, I'm going to send you out. And powerful things will happen. But the powerful things happen as a result of being with you. That's why he said, look, all authority in the great, what is it called? The great what? The great what? Commission. Do you know commission? See, that means you're not alone. <laughs> you're in partner with someone else. It's called a co-mission. You, you don't want to be on a mission. <laughs> you always want to be on a co-mission. <laughs> you can be on a mission doing humanitarian work without God. It's better to be co-missioned with Him. And the co-mission is all about withness. He said, look, all power and authority. Jesus said this. In heaven and on earth, right, has been what? It's been given unto him. So, you know, what does that suggest? Somebody at that point had lost power. I mean, if all power and authority was given to Jesus at the resurrection, somebody had to lose something. Somebody had to have some of the power. But Jesus said, no, 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 no. Now I'm the one that carry all of the power. It's been given to me. I have all of the power now. And then he says, so go therefore, because I have all the power. Now you go therefore and teach them to do what I've taught you. And baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he said what? And I'll be with you. Wow. Commission. I'm going to be with you. To the ends of the ages. I'm going to be there. Now here's what I want you to get. Jesus said, I have all power and authority. And I ask churches this and it'll mess you up. I tell them, see you don't have any power and authority. <laughs> Who has it? Yeah, you don't have any. Now when he sends you out, he knows you need power. To raise the dead, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, uh, cast out demons. That's what he said to do. And he knows you need power to do that. So where do you get the power? From him. From the witness, being connected to the vine. Because it's not my power, it's his power. All power has been given to him. So when I'm connected with him, I have all power and authority. I'm now with him. I'm not working for him. I'm with him. It's the same thing as praying. People all the time saying, well, I'm, I'm really praying to God. And I want to tell them, well, don't pray to God. Pray with him. You know, you keep praying to God. You might be praying something crazy like, I want to win the lottery. I mean, that is praying to God. But you can't pray with God and pray to win the lottery. <laughs> right? I mean, you're praying all alone on that one. Right? You yeah. know? I mean, he might be saying to you, you know, look, I, I could let you win the lottery, but you haven't been faithful with the little bit I've given you. Why would I let you win the lottery? Right? So it's like praying with God. 
How many of y'all have ever asked God to do something for you and he didn't do it? But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says, I'm gonna, the Bible says, whatsoever you ask in my name, it shall be given unto you. It doesn't say that. It just says, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be given to you. That's what it says. How many of y'all have ever said, prayed for something in Jesus' name and didn't get it? Oh, wow. Oh, my goodness. Is the Bible true? I mean, because Jesus did say, whatever you ask in my name, it'll be given to you. And you asked for something in his name and he didn't give it to you. Wow. Do you know why? Because when you were asking God for that, you were praying to him. In Jesus' name doesn't mean you tag it on the end of your prayer. It really doesn't mean that. I mean, when I first got saved, it blew my mind because everybody ended all their prayers. In Jesus' name. And yeah, to me, it was like Roger over and out. <laughs> you know, like you're supposed to end your prayer. You know, Roger over and out, God. <laughs> and I had to kind of find out, what does this in Jesus' name ending mean? It basically means you're praying with him. Not to him. Whatever you ask with God, He'll give it to you. He might use you to bring it about. But just asking for something, God's not obligated for that. He's obligated to fulfill His will, not your will. And when you're praying with Him, you're praying His will. Because you're so connected. So, you know, the commission, being with God. You know, here's a neat passage. Peter and John were before the Sanhedrin. Uh, they were going to probably be beaten. You know, these are the doctors. These are the PhDs of theology. These are the masters. You know what I'm saying? And, and here's a, a couple of fishermen. <laughs> and they're like, what, what, what are you? What are you to come here and stand before us? And one of them says, look, I, I, all I know is this. These unlearned and ignorant men They've been with Jesus. <laughs> I mean, that's the whole disclaimer. <laughs> it's like, look, we may be PhDs, and we may have all knowledge, and these people may be nothing, but, but, but the disclaimer is they've been with someone. <laughs> they've been hanging around. They're really connected to him. So, you know, we need to, be, we need to kind of walk on eggshells here because <laughs> we know who they're with. Right? Uh, let me just tell you a story some encourage you about favor. You know, early in ministry, it was tough. Uh, yeah, for a lot of years, we had hardly anything. We just trusted God. Uh, many times we'd go into our cabinet and there would just be a few canned goods, and so that's what we ate. Uh, we, just early in the ministry, was, it was very tight, but we just stayed faithful. It's like, you know, thank you, God, that we have four cans of beans. Because we could have one. <laughs> you know, or none. So, you know, we just stayed faithful. Well, when I was in college, this was before I met Michelle, uh, you know, I went from an affluent family. My dad was a very successful businessman. Lived in a large house in a ritzy area. And then when I get saved, uh, I became very poor. <laughs> I mean, I drove a car that was just, it looked like it had been run over by a train. I mean, it was ugly. I mean, I'm going to tell you, if you saw it, you'd have felt sorry for me. 
and I'd drive that car and I'd go to college whenever I could afford the gas. Otherwise, I'd take a bus and I'd drive it and I'd pull in and there'd be a Z28 or a Firebird and then there'd be my car. <laughs> but I just stayed faithful. Well, I wanted to go to Houston Baptist University. I left a junior college. I wanted to go to Houston Baptist University. I felt like God spoke to me and said, go to HBU. Man, I was a young convert. and You know, I believed God for anything. So I said, I'm going to Houston Baptist. So I drove to Houston and I go to into the office and I, I'm going to go to school here next year. And I want to sign up. And they said, okay, well, great. Let's talk to this counselor. Talk, signed up for all. Oh, I want to take a Bible class here and another Bible class. Do you have any other Bible classes, you know? Uh, do you have any more Bible survey? I want to know the Bible. Man, I'm just a young, fired-up guy, man. I mean, I was just saved from the drug scene. And uh, I signed up, and they said, now go to the financial aid office. Oh, I like that word. <laughs> financial aid. <laughs> God is directing me. So I go in there and I'm talking. And he says, well, okay, so it's gonna, you need to give us a check for several thousand. I said, what? He said, yeah, you need to write us a check for several thousand. Do, do you throw the dorm in? No, 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 that's another couple of thousand. Oh, my God. Do you throw the food in? No, you got to pay for food. How much is this going to cost? And he told me this number. I said, well, no problem. God told me to go to school here. He looked at me like, what happened to you? He thought you're... I said, yeah, 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 just sign me up. God told me to go to school here. He said, well, you got to get it. You got to give us some money. Well, I don't have any money, but since God told me to go to school here, just sign me up. He's looked at me like, you are insane. You know, get, and he, man, kind of rebuked me. And I remember leaving that day, my head down like, Oh, come! he thinks I'm stupid, and let me go get in my piece of junk car, and I don't have any, I couldn't even afford to buy one meal, much less meals for a whole semester. <laughs> you know, I mean, I was so dejected, so discouraged, and I got in my car, and I thought, no, you know what? I'm just going to stay faithful to God. One of my professors at the junior college, he, he'd take me have coffee. Sometimes he'd buy me lunch. I think he felt sorry for me because I was very skinny in those days from not eating, <laughs> from not having money. Every once in a while, that professor would give me $20 so I could eat. I think he just really felt sorry for me. Maybe he saw my car. I don't know. But <laughs> So anyway, this guy says, I would like, he's a pastor of a little tiny church. I think there was 30 people in the church, you think, or less than 30, and, and they, they were all gray-headed or no hair. They were all in their 80s and above, and he asked me to come teach. Man, I had a Walmart suit, purple, because I was an evangelist. I got me a purple suit. Man, I put my purple suit on, got in my beat-up car, and I'm praising, I'm fixing to go preach a revival. I was so fired up, and my car radiator had a leak. So about every 10, 20 miles, I'd have to stop, walk out into this rice field with this gallon bucket cut off, and I'd scoop water up, pour it on the radiator so I could get water in it, and then I'd get in. Well, by the time I got there, I was soaking wet through my purple suit. I mean, just wet underneath here, and my shirt was soaked, and I had mud on my shoes. I was late, and when I got to the church, little tiny church, I mean, it, about this big right here, 
this corner. And man, I walked up and he says, you have to go right up there. Oh, I got mud on my shoes. I'm soaking through my, I felt so bad, but I'm just going to stay faithful. Nothing's going to stop me. And I got up and I'm preaching like I, it was a Billy Graham crusade. <laughs> I mean, I was preaching like there were 30,000. And those old people were like, like, you know, what happened to this guy? I mean, I'm running and spitting and screaming. And I mean, I'm preaching like everybody in the world's going to get saved. And I made a comment in my sermon. I said, you know, God told me to go to Houston Baptist and I'm going to go. I don't know how, but I'm going. Now listen to this. There happened to be a lady that did not, was not a member of that church. She just visited. She was a multi, multi, multi millionaire. She had the Miss Louise Hutchinson Foundation. She had given an oil well to First Baptist Church Houston. She had built entire biology buildings for universities. She had given entire libraries to major universities. And she happened to be in that service. Because I was faithful, even though all the odds were against me, I made that comment. She went over to the pastor and said, tell that young man to go back to Houston Baptist University. My people will contact those people and we will take care of everything he needs as long as he wants to go to school at Houston Baptist University. So the pastor came to me and said, you need to go to Houston Baptist. I said, no. Those people are terrible. You know, I have nightmares about that. I don't want to go back to that school. I want to go to school, but I don't want to go see those people in that office. No, you've got to go. He said, it's going to be taken care of. I remember driving my beat-up car. I remember walking to that office. I don't want to get beat up again. You know, I walked up. I went to the front desk, and I called ahead of time, told them I was coming. I said, uh, I want to sign up to go to school. <laughs> and she said, and what's your name? I said, Don Babin. Oh, Mr. Babin. It's like, is there another Mr. Babin here? Yes? Come with me. I said, yeah, I need to go to talk to... No, no, no. The president of the university wants to meet with you. Me? I was... She takes me, and I'm fixing to sit down. I'll never... There's like this plush office, and I'm fixing to sit down to wait. And the, and the lady at the desk says, oh, no, Mr. Babin, don't sit down. Nope. Said, you're coming straight into his office. Oh, wow. There's a huge office. The president says, Mr. Babin, have, is there anything, would you like a Coke? I'm like, oh, my God. What, what happened? I mean, I don't understand this. And he says, I want you to know, Mr. Babin, all of your school has been paid for. Uh, we'll have the dorm room fixed up for you. In anything, all your food. If you need something at the bookstore, just sign your name. Don't worry about anything when you're here. You want extra food, get the extra food. You want snacks, sign your name. I'm like in shock. What is going on? Did they, did they mix me up with somebody? And so I'm signed in. I'm going to school. Everything is met. When I walk out, I go to this big wall. You know they got those big 
bronze pictures of people that support the universities. Have you all ever seen those? And it's like their face got pushed through the bronze. And so I'm, I'm standing there like looking at some of these. But there's a big one over there. <laughs> no, there's like a bunch of little ones, but all of a sudden, boom! It's like, whoa! So I'm looking at that one. And at the bottom it says, Miss Louise Hutchinson Foundation. <laughs> I'm going, that's the lady that the pastor told me about. She called up there and said, take care of it. Whatever you say, Miss Hutchinson. See, even in the difficulties, you stay faithful because your promotion is coming. Maybe not in the time that you wanted. The promotion comes. The favor's coming. The fa- Listen to me. Favor is coming. You just have to stay faithful. I don't know how long. You know, one day the Lord is a thousand years. I don't want to discourage you. <laughs> but you know, we stayed faithful for years. Years. For a long time with very little. A lot of sacrifice. But after years, God saw our faithfulness. He saw that we could manage the little that he gave us. He saw that our number one purpose is, God, we just want to be with you. And God, we're going to press through whatever we have to press through. And we have story after story after story of favor. But because we stayed faithful, because we stayed with him, favor began to come. And let me tell you something about the favor of God. When God gives you favor, no man can take it away. See, no government, no power, no religious institution, no individual. When God puts favor on you, that favor's there. See, it's God's favor, not man's favor. It's not your education. It's not who you're married to. It's not who you know. That's not how you get favor. True favor comes from God. It's enduring the fire. I'm not not making this up. Listen, it works. Kenny, I'm sure, has the same stories. Left his country, came to this country. Look at the favor that God's got on his life, on his family. I don't understand everything. You don't either. But I understand the favor of God. And I understand I want everybody to walk in that. I don't want you to miss out on the favor of God. Amen?